Welcome to True Crime Trine, the podcast where the planets align and three friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. I'm your host, Hannah, along with Sarah and Meredith. Welcome to our very first episode. are going to quickly notice a theme and that theme is that I am obsessed with stories about cannibals. We are going to start this episode with my current favorite cannibal story. Also feel free to imagine that you are on a first date with me because this is the story I like to tell on a first date. It's a good litmus test, yep. (laughs) So to whet your appetite, so to speak, the brief summary here is that a German man placed an advertisement online looking for a different man who wanted to be eaten. This German man's ad was answered, the deed was done, and the most memorable part was when the victim's penis was cut off and both men tried to consume it. Wait, 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 wait. Both? Yep, we'll get into way more detail, but okay. This might ring a couple bells in some listeners' heads. Also, please note, I don't know how to speak German even a little bit, so I'm starting this podcast on hard mode, so I'm trying. I'm trying. So who is this German man who placed the advertisement? His name was Armin Mivis. Now he's known as the Rottenburg Cannibal, or Der Metzgermeister, which means the Master Butcher. He was born on December 1st, 1961. So that makes him a Sagittarius. Like my sister. Like my boyfriend. Oh yeah, oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Just know that I'm not going to get into his son very much at the end of this. I'm looking a lot more at his Venus, but... He is a Sagittarius. He was born in Kassel, Germany, to a father who did not seem to give much of a shit about his son, to the point where he abandoned the family when Armin was eight years old and never contacted them again. This is the ultimate went out for cigarettes and never went back. So his mother was left to raise Armin alone, and she will be our very first example of a domineering mother of a murderer. She had no qualms about berating Armin loudly and in public. She lived with him until she died in 19. 99, and even chaperoned him when he went on troop outings after he joined the German army in the 1980s. They let your mom go with you? I guess on troop outings, which <laughs> to like the bar, I guess. Not to like war, it's but... It's like a field trip. She's a chaperone for the field trip. My mom packed my lunch. She wants to come. It's basically 100% that. <laughs> So Armin did not make it in the army, but he did develop a mommy complex during this time. Not surprising. No, not even a little bit. So as a coping mechanism to being controlled by his mother, even when he was an adult, Armin created an imaginary brother that he named Frankie and who he could talk to about how his feelings towards his mother and also his burgeoning cannibalistic fantasies, which started occurring around age 12. As he started to fantasize about killing his friends so that they would become a part of him forever. Oh. Which indicates he was extremely lonely. Is that part of that, like, really severe abandonment syndrome? I'm gonna say very sensitive to abandonment. Oh, boy. Because he was always very worried about people leaving after his father left. And he thought the way to keep them was to eat them. Gross. Also the if I can't have you, no one can kind of thing, too. I don't think that's it, actually. No. I, I do think it's more of a fear of abandonment. He just wants them to be a part of him so bad that he wants to literally be a part of him to literally consume them right oh, geez. 
Yes. We're starting off on such a good one, but just imagine you're on a date with me right now. I think it's time to order another drink. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Hope later. So his mother died, and after his mother died, Armin did one very odd thing and one fairly normal thing. The odd thing is that he constructed a shrine to his mother in the house, complete with a mannequin that he would put to bed every night. Oh no. The fairly normal thing was that he became interested in internet pornography. And a reminder that this is 1999 internet pornography. And now what's a porn that came out in 1999 is a part of my search history. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nothing if not detailed. Brown chicken, brown cow. (laughs) I haven't heard that. No. Adult slash kid humor, I guess. I don't know. It's really cute. I haven't heard that (laughs) specifically. Armin was very much drawn to particularly painful and sadistic pornography, though. Yeah. Mm. On the outside, he seemed to live a fairly normal adult life. He worked as a computer repairman, and neighbors remember him as a quiet guy who helped around the neighborhood by mowing lawns and helping people fix their cars. He also hosted dinner parties. I did not say the time span of the dinner parties or what the courses were. I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> what are you serving there? So there's a documentary on YouTube called Interview with a Cannibal, Armin Mivis, which I did watch. And it actually takes a tour of his house. And it was so much larger than I thought his house would be. It was a 36-room farmhouse. It was fucking huge and incredibly tacky. Because this is where he lived almost his entire life with his mother. 36 rooms, though. Damn. Too many rooms, I I would get lost, I think. I don't know. For two people. But now it's one person? So this documentary also shows that his house was in this countryside neighborhood, and so he did not have any neighbors super close by. So any odd noises coming from the house probably would not be heard by anyone around. He was also a babysitter. Oh no. Yuck. And a neighbor, whom he babysat for, said that even after all that he's done, she would still trust him with her children. What? What? Why? And to to be honest, I might as well. We'll get into that later. He has a very specific thing that he wants. It's not kids. He wants consent and he does not want children. I don't have kids, so I'm not going to make a final answer here, but... I do. And as a mom, I would say... No. Fuck no. (laughs) Hard pass. That's that's 100% fair. Fuck no. Armin Mivis, stop babysitting. Yeah. So he seemed like a relatively normal neighbor, maybe a little quiet because you can't really talk about this with other people. <laughs> However, in his spare time, Armin frequented internet cannibal chat rooms, such as the Cannibal Cafe. Oh. What? Which takes pains to emphasize the distinction between reality and fantasy, saying that those who, quote, are incapable of separating artistic fantasy from reality should leave this site, end quote. That's their caveat for legality? I would assume so. Armin didn't leave the site, but that has to be their, that just has to be some random caveat. Yeah, that's the fine print at the bottom of the contract. So in 2000, Armin posted a message that said, quote, I'm looking for a young, well-built man aged 18 to 30 to slaughter, end quote. Uh, well now. I mean, he got right to the point. He's very direct. He's very German. <laughs> Well, he actually received multiple responses. What? He estimates that about 200 people responded to this ad. You're freaking kidding. I'll talk about this later. A lot of what the Cannibal Cafe is was 
role play. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think these people actually knew what they're getting into. So I think 199 of those were more of the role play ones. But still. It's still a lot. So he chose, I'm going to fuck this one up super bad, Borg Jose to be his victim slash dinner. So Borg got all the way to his house, but he got cold feet about the point where he was laid out on the butchering table. And so Armin let him go. Oh, man. Well, he didn't have consent. So he is able to stop himself. It sounds like he has control over his fetish. Uh, That's how I see it a lot. I don't think he's that much of a danger to the public. Okay. He's a danger to a very specific type of public, which is someone who has the fetish of being eaten alive, which is also a fetish. So in February 2001, Armin received a message from the man who became his victim, Bernd Jorgen Brandis, who was a computer engineer from Berlin. Bernd's message said, quote, I am 36 years old, 175 centimeters, and weigh 72 kilograms. I hope you are really serious about it because I really want it, end quote. And for all of us dumb Americans that refuse to use the metric system, Bernd was 5'8", and he weighed about 160 pounds. Stocky dude. Ah, uh, a little stocky, I guess. You're right. Armin was quite serious, as we already know, and the two chatted online for about a month until March 8th, 2001, which was the day before the murder. Burns' last message said, quote, I'll bring myself as breakfast, end quote, to which Armin replied, quote, I'll have an appetite. Rely on it, end quote. Oh, take a moment oh, to feel weird. God. Um, So we're going to take a brief detour into Burns' past. Uh, His childhood also had strong themes of abandonment. His mother committed suicide when he was five years old, and his father refused to ever speak of it, so. That's hard. Like, it was never addressed. It was repressed. It's all bad. This father-son relationship completely broke down when Byrne told his father he was gay. Byrne was described as a sexual adventurer by a, quote, boyfriend. Byrne was extremely into S&M, in which he would be the masochist upon whom pain is inflicted. He especially preferred the breast and genital area. Uh, that was okay for Byrne for a time, but he began telling his boyfriend that what he really wanted was for his boyfriend to bite off Byrne's penis. Oh my gosh. What? This is such a strong one to start episode one on. (laughs) Wow. Okay. According to the boyfriend, Byrne believed that having his penis cut off would give him the ultimate orgasm, which seems counterintuitive. Oh dear. Oh my god. So on March 9, 2001, Byrne came to Arvin's house and willingly entered a slaughter room that Arvin had set up. Byrne undressed immediately so that I could admire my dinner, according to Armin. Uh. <sighs> Quote, he looked good, had a nice sporty figure, as I imagined. He was a nice, lovely man, end quote. Armin and Byrne then played love games, as his lawyer put it, which just means they fucked. Mm-hmm. Sex wasn't really what Byrne was there for, and he talked a lot of shit during it about how Armin wasn't going to be a strong enough man to actually follow through with his wishes, etc., etc., etc. As Borg, Jose, did, Burnt also got cold feet. Although, the documentary In a Row with the Cannibal actually said it was Armin who got cold feet, but every news article I read said it was Burnt, so it's a little unclear here. Whoever's feet were cold, they did get all the way back to the train station 
which is in about an hour drive, before Burns suggested to Armin that with a big enough dose of sleeping pills, some schnapps, and some cold medicine. Ah, schnapps. It's jar money. He should be able to go through with it. So they went back to uh, Armin's house. Uh, thus dosed at 6 p.m., Byrne yelled out, Do it! Now! End quote. <laughs> Before I change my mind, hurry! Which was captured on video as Armin recorded the entire affair. Ugh. As per earlier discussion, we're going to get back to the penis now, Byrne wanted Armin to bite off his penis, and then they would consume it together. The documentary actually said something about how what Byrne really wanted was to be a sacrifice, and the ultimate sacrifice was his penis. Okay. Armin wasn't able to fulfill either of those requests. He was unable to bite off the penis. I see your faces. I'm going to get a little bit grosser for one second. Uh-huh. He was able to burst both of his testicles with his teeth. Oh my god. No. No, 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 no. Uh, but he had to resort to using a knife to cut off the penis. You guys good? Yeah. yeah. Super. <laughs> Burn tried to eat a piece of his raw penis but found it, quote, too chewy. Collagen. Yeah. His own? Yeah, yeah. He wanted to try it raw. It was too chewy, which makes sense for the penis, I think, actually. No peen tartar. Yeah, there's, like, no good meat there, even though you might call it your meat. It's not good meat. Goodbye, boys. So, Armin sautéed the penis in a pan with some salt, pepper, and garlic. Butter or olive oil? He didn't say. (laughs) I hope butter, to be honest. This is a special day. (laughs) Uh, But he ended up burning it to the point where it was inedible, beyond how much eating a human penis already sounds inedible. The burnt penis ended up being given to Armin's dog, which I have mixed feelings about. That poor dog! What did he ever do to anybody? So at this point, Burn was losing a lot of blood. He was a fountain. Uh, So Armin put him in the bathtub and went to go read a Star Trek novel. Armin would go in and check probably every 15 to 30 minutes, but after 10 hours, Byrne remained alive. So Armin stabbed him several times in the neck in order to kill him. After 10 hours of waiting for him to expire. I guess I'm curious as to why he didn't dispatch him sooner. Byrne was conscious for a lot of this, and I think maybe around 10 hours is when he completely lost consciousness. Okay. And Armin said he prayed. He wasn't sure whether to God or to Satan before he actually killed Bert. And as Armin later explained, quote, my friend enjoyed dying. I only waited horrified for the end after doing the deed. It took so terribly long, end quote. If you watch the documentary, he sounds very sad a lot of the time. His life does sound sad. It does. It's super sad and like, he never got any help. This is a fetish, but it's also something else. Yeah, this is a different level of like illness because of issues that aren't addressed. He was never able to make close friends either, especially after his father left. So he had that huge abandonment issue. Overbearing mom. Overbearing mom. All of that prevented him from getting any close friends, it seems like, as well. Therapy. Should that be our hashtag, just therapy? (laughs) Hashtag therapy. (laughs) Then Armin hung Burns body on the meat hook, butchered and froze much of the meat, and ground the bones into flour, which I would not have even thought about doing. During the butchering, Armin also had the thought that the next one mustn't be this fat. So we're getting some mixed signals here. That seems a little rude. Yeah. Mm. He was called athletic. I don't know. Like a shot put or discus thrower athletic or like a track runner athletic. You want some fat in your meat though. Yeah, like a good marbling really makes for an excellent steak. I think I'm going to have to not eat meat for a week. 
I totally was eating while I wrote this script. It's fine. A big steak? I don't know how to cook a steak. It was probably something vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to cook meat. I would fuck oh. up the penis as well. Don't burn the wiener. I don't know how not to. Armin treated his first meal as a very special occasion, and I'm just going to let Armin describe it in his own words. So, quote, I decorated the table with nice candles. I took out my best dinner service and fried a piece of rump steak, a piece from his back, and made what I call princess potatoes and sprouts. After I prepared my meal, I ate it. The first bite was, of course, very strange. It was a feeling I can't really describe. I'd spent over 40 years longing for it dreaming about it. And now I was getting the feeling that I was actually achieving this perfect inner connection through his flesh. The flesh tastes like pork, but stronger. End quote. I leaned away from the mic for you guys to say something. I can't. I can't say anything. I feel like I had pork a couple days ago, and I'm trying to think about what would be porkier than pork. Not like other cannibals have also described it as a porky flavor. Long pig and whatnot. Uh, I also tried to Google what princess potatoes were. I only found information about duchess potatoes, but they do look delicious. Ooh. What were the duchess potatoes? They're basically twice-baked potatoes, but instead of, like, piping it back into the potato skin, you just pipe it directly onto a baking sheet. Ooh. So they kind of get, like, a crispy bottom to them? Yeah, and they crisp up around the top, too, but they're, like, soft Ew. inside. Neat. We're learning things together. I might have to try that. Not the rest of the meal, just the potatoes. <laughs> the sprouts is probably fine. I know, I like, I like Brussels sprouts. Wait, were Brussels sprouts or... I'm pretty sure it was Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I Also, do like he sprouts. did red wine. I like red wine. With pork, though? <laughs> Long pork? I don't know, though. It's, but it was more porky than pork. It was a strong flavor, so it might have stood up to red wine. Okay. So at the end of the day, neither participant really got their fantasy completely fulfilled, though. Byrne wanted to be eaten alive, which is not possible, and was also disappointed that there wasn't more pain, according to Armin. And Armin wanted to eat human meat, but he didn't want to kill anyone. So Armin is actually like the textbook definition of a product killer. He doesn't take any joy in the killing. He wants the dead body to do what what he will. I think we all have different feelings about it, but it happened. I mean, it's interesting, but that's just fucking gross. I think it's an extremely interesting case that brings into the idea of consent, but also like sure. what untreated mental illness is. But untreated mental illness is not a defense for murder, so I don't know if it can be a defense for being murdered, per se. Did he have written consent? We'll get to that too. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he had recorded verbal consent. He did. But also, like, could you consider that at that point, like, euthanasia? I don't know. Like, if you're... <laughs> oh, we will get to that, too. You guys are doing okay. really You guys are doing really well. You could be German lawyers. All right. So, Byrne's boyfriend reported him missing two days later. But Byrne had erased all of his computer files, so there was nothing to tie him back to Armin. So, Armin never came up in this search. Armin ended up being arrested in December 2002 after he had posted a message looking for another person to kill and eat. Oh. The Austrian student who responded got spooked and notified the police after Armin told him that he wouldn't be the first person Armin had done this with. I'm not 100% sure, though, how the Austrian student really knew that he was being serious versus this was a role play. Yeah, gut, I mean, 
gut decisions, right? It's hard, though, over the internet, like a chat room. It's way harder to get gut, like, reactions yeah, than true. it is in person. But still, maybe he was more detailed or something. Oh, he might have shown pictures. <gasps> oh, God. That would have really done it. Yep. So, the student told the police, and the investigators searched Armin's home and found a freezer with a false bottom with what Armin tried to say was wild pig underneath. Yeah, how much wild boar is there in Germany? <laughs> Actually, that sounds super German, so maybe a lot. It does, yeah. By the time of the arrest, Armin had consumed about 40 pounds of burned flesh. It was at least a year and a half. Because this happened May 9, 2001. And he was arrested December 2002. Wow. That's not that bad. It's like half pound a week, right? (laughs) I don't know the math. I don't know if you do the math in my head. The investigators also found the video, which pretty much wrapped up the investigation at that point. We did it, kind of. So at the time, cannibalism was legal in Germany. Wait, what? Cannibalism was legal in Germany in 2002. (laughs) Why? Is that one of those like weird historical laws that stay on the books accidentally? It's either that or it's never come up them to make a law. There's never been a book for it, so... Oh. So that's fun. There was also debate as to whether Armin could be charged at all with anything because Byrne had voluntarily consented and participated in the act. Mm-hmm. So the defense tried for a conviction of killing upon request, which in Germany a form of illegal euthanasia, and which carries a maximum sentence of five years. But in the end, Armin was charged with murder for the purposes of sexual pleasure and disturbing the peace of the dead. And as a side note, I found a couple of articles that referred to this case as, quote, love cannibalism which i fucking hate you there also was no love here and that those two words don't go together Mm-mm. i wouldn't call it love as a capricorn i don't know what love is but like i wouldn't call it love i think i would call it cannibalism yep. i think i would call it gross <laughs> <laughs> yes hey but whatever frost your cupcakes man this is one of those like i don't want to get on your fetishes but this was a little bit much But was it? It was. But was it? It was. So Armin was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 8.5 years in prison. Manslaughter. With the judge saying that it was not a murder case, but a case of, quote, two psychologically sick people who found each other, end quote. Yeah, because, like, had he not gotten actual consent, he wouldn't have gone through with it, right? We know he wouldn't because he let people go in the past, like... And he's not, Armin's not, I don't think he's really a killer. That's not what I think he is. He didn't enjoy Oh, he hated it. Him. And he, yeah. he like dithered about it a lot. And it's on the video about him picking up the knife, putting the knife down, praying, whatever. Like, it took him a long time to be able to do it. I'm not trying to be pro-Armin, but like, <laughs> this is a very complicated case to me. Very, yeah. Well, your reactions were right on point because this seemed extremely lenient to many people. Not really me, but it's okay. Armin had a retrial (laughs) in 2006, and the prosecutors questioned whether Armin really killed Byrne under Byrne's request or if the murder had been to satisfy Armin's sexual desires. I would argue both, but they argued it was just for Armin's sexual desires. 
They also argue that Byrne was not capable of giving consent on the night of March 9, although he was seen giving consent in the video that Armin recorded. Is that because he took the schnapps and NyQuil and... Big nods! The prosecutors argue that Byrne was not in a mentally competent state due to the consumption of quite a lot of alcohol and drugs by the time the video began. So at the second trial, Byrne was convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. Is that better? Yeah. I don't know if there's better or worse. I mean, it just... It's all... It's all bad. What I don't know about German prisons, I know American prisons don't do very much psychologically for their inmates. No. And Armin would really benefit from some psychological treatment, but I'm not sure if he's getting it. Uh, Germany does things a smidge different from America, and Armin is allowed occasional release from prison, where he- What? I know, I was like, what the fuck is this? Such an American thought, but what the fuck? He dons a disguise, like a wig and glasses and whatnot, and walks through random towns accompanied by two officers. What? What the fuck? So you could just be visiting Germany and like not be, is the public notified when he's out and he just has a disguise so nobody like knows who he is? I honestly, I'm not sure, but I seem like no, because the disguise is to keep people from bothering him. Uh Uh-huh. But if you were a tourist and you're just walking through somewhere and you're like, oh, excuse me, sir, can I get some directions? I mean, there are also two officers somewhere nearby. I also get to this a little bit later, but he's way better at English now as well. So he might be able to help. Yeah, so that's something. It's it's weird for us to think of, I think, as Americans and our prison system is so vindictive. But we yeah. we have an issue here too. Yeah, that and our issue is a lot more like it's a dead end. Like once you get into the system, it's really hard to escape it because it's so insidious and like how it affects your life anytime after that. And it's not like a rehabilitative thing. It is a no. straight punishment thing if you get into prison here. So I was still surprised that he got to go outside. Especially now being a convicted murderer. Right? Manslaughterer. No, he got convicted of murder. Oh, oh it is murder. Okay, my bad. I actually would think at most he's guilty of manslaughter, but that wasn't an option because they went straight for murder for the second trial. Armin's described as a model prisoner. And has become a vegetarian while in prison. Oh, interesting. No other meat compares or it reminds him of it? Or Or prison meat is like real gross. I don't really... Oh, that too. I don't really know. (laughs) I was hoping that he had thought about his actions and decided that maybe a vegetarian lifestyle was more appropriate. It definitely is. He has joined the Green Party, which has, quote, four principles... Ecological, social, grassroots, and nonviolent, end quote. And sounds pretty chill, according to Wikipedia, except for that time in the 80s when they made a foray into pedophile activism. <laughs> so, that happened. What? I said what I said. So, Armin believes that his English has improved after eating burned, as burned spoke very good English. Uh, don't think that's how it works, buddy. But he doesn't know a lot of things. He is also writing his memoirs to show people with similar fantasies that, quote, it can never bring them fulfillment, end quote. Fine, but 
His closing statement to the court kind of makes it sound like Armin did fulfill his greatest desire. And let me quote Armin right now. Byrne came to me of his own free will to end his life. Everybody has the right to decide themselves about their own life and their body. For him, it was a nice death. Questionable. <sighs> this isn't bold. <sighs> I had my big kick and I don't need to do it again. I regret it all very much, but I can't undo it, end quote. I have so many thoughts right now. I just, I can't pull one out. <laughs> I'm going to say I feel like Armin did very much fulfill a desire of his. I had my big kick and I don't need to do it again. Which was also untrue because he was on the forums looking for another person. Yeah, he was, he was cruising. Well, no, like... I've done a helicopter tour. I feel pretty satisfied with my helicopter <laughs> tour. I don't feel the need to get into a helicopter again. Yeah. I mean, I get the basic principle of that statement, but when you put in the context behind it, like, for fuck's sakes, man. Alrighty. It's still just such a complicated case, though, because mm -hmm. Arvin was very much in control of himself, and he did listen to consent. That's, I think, the most interesting part of this is that he wasn't just doing a Jack the Ripper, if you will. Or Jeffrey Dahmer. Actually, or Dahmer, yeah. He was looking for someone who wanted to participate in this activity with him. Yeah. And I think the wanting to participate is part of his fetish, too. Yeah, is someone who wants to be a part of him, too. So, like, I feel... I feel manslaughter on this one, to be honest. And I feel like Erwin's probably not a danger to most people in the population. I think the three of us would be fine. But there are definitely other burns out there that have not really gotten any help that would be susceptible for this again. But how much do you blame Burn versus how much do you blame Armin? I mean... <laughs> it's hard. At some point, though, you gotta say to yourself, like, this is not normal or healthy or should be legal. I mean, I guess that if it wasn't part of the law. But, like, that's not a normal thought process to have. And, like, maybe I should go and get help. But both of them should have thought that. Right. Definitely. Both of their failures to get help has basically led to this situation. But I feel like either of them... One of them's a victim and one of them's the murderer slash eater cannibal yes oh god it's hard because i i do i do in my heart feel like burn gave consent he was drugged in the video but they talked about it for over a month yeah and and he willingly showed up he showed up yeah came back after the penis was cut off he stayed and he wanted it to happen but that's a mental thing but like oh god it's so fuzzy the first judge said two psychologically sick people who found each other. And that's definitely what happened here, for sure. I mean, it seems accurate when stated that way. But again, a murder was committed. If Byrne had blood out in the bathtub and Armin didn't stab him in the neck. That would have been manslaughter. That would have been an accidental death. Well, it wasn't accidental. Like Both of them wanted the penis off. Right, but like... They didn't want the death. They wanted body disfigurement or dismemberment, but not actual death. No, Byrne wanted to be eaten alive, which says the death is going to be in imminent. And Armin wanted to eat human flesh, which also means death has to happen first. Not if they just stopped at the penis and he didn't die from that. 
Yeah, what if they had said, oops, that didn't taste very good. <laughs> Let's get you to the hospital. I mean, that I think... Because he would have been eaten while he was alive. Armin would have had the I've eaten human flesh part. I don't know. <laughs> it's very difficult to draw a line anywhere. I'm going to wrap it all up with Armin's defense lawyer who has provided a very helpful suggestion for anyone who would like to do a similar act as Armin and Burned, and that is to drop a written contract between the two parties before the cannibalism begins. Very helpful. Well, I was going to say written consent is, it's more legitimate in the court of law, I guess. Yeah. I said I would get back here eventually. Do you have to get that shit notarized, though? Oh my god. I feel like Yes. I don't think he would stand in court if it was just you and the victim's signature. I was just going to say the notary person's like, what in the fuck? (laughs) I don't want any part of this. Or they're really tired of their job and they're stamping things. Like, what the fuck? I don't give a shit. I don't know. Having been a notary. You've been a notary? Yeah. Like, you read it because you're basically signing that this is the document. Hmm. right you're stamping your stuff to say this is the document this is what that document said and these are the two parties and i've verified their identities that are signing so it's legitimate yeah right unless you're like a lackadaisical notary i guess i would have been like "Uh uh-uh i can't put my stamp on this i mean there's legal binding contracts that you can enter but i feel like in this situation because there is a sexual nature like you can revoke consent at any time you should be able to revoke consent at any time in any sort of sexual encounter right so because he was unable to revoke consent because he was so potentially so drugged and potentially right Right, so maybe he was incapable of even revoking and therefore lost out on that opportunity to do so. But also he was bleeding to death. And apparently he was very happy in the bathtub in his own blood. On NyQuil. (laughs) That is Armin's words. So says Armin. I still kind of believe Armin. I feel like an asshole, but like I kind of do. But there, there are cases too of like losing blood and feeling euphoria as well. So maybe right. he was euphoric, but physiological. He did say that he was disappointed that he didn't feel that much pain. Probably because he went into shock and then into euphoria. Yeah. It's all a fucking mess. Sorry, the viewers can't see my facial expressions, but it's just like... <laughs> No, this could have been live streamed and y'all would have seen what I saw. I told you when I brought this that I'm not sure if I'm going too far and I'm not finished yet. Oh. Dun dun dun. Woo! But I'm going to move on to media. So this is all done. Burned is dead. Armin is in prison for life except for his little forays with a wig into random towns. <laughs> this case had a huge impact on media. So Ramstein has a song inspired by the case called <gasps> Mine Tile, which oh my translates to my part. And part in German is also a slang for penis. Schlange. Also dial, I guess. It includes the line that I'm going to butcher. Den de bist was du ist und Ihr wisst, was est ist. That was great. Which translates to, you are what you eat, and you know what it is. Oh my god. And did I end up writing the majority of the script while listening to Ramstein? You bet your fucking ass I did. Oh yeah. Still slaps. <laughs> Okay, like, I'm into it. This story's ripe for metal bands, so other bands as well, such as Blood 
Bath, Macabre, Ozzy Osbourne, and Marilyn Manson. As much as I hate <laughs> to mention him, because fuck that guy to the fucking center of the earth, have all written songs about it. So, it's also been mentioned in and or inspired episodes in television shows, including The IT Crowd, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Peep Show, Hannibal, Succession, and 30 Rock. If you've seen wow. any of these shows, you know which episodes it is. I haven't seen it all, but like the IT Crowd one is super funny. And the Peep Show one is super awkward because Peep Show is the most awkward show I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> There's also apparently a movie called Grim Love starring Carrie Russell. I didn't see it. I did watch Interview with a Cannibal, which is exactly what it sounds like and is quite interesting. And it is on YouTube. The video that Armin recorded was never released by the courts and only 19 minutes of the four-hour ordeal was shown to the jury and select journalist. And the jury went to therapy afterwards. Someone went to therapy. Good job. Thank God somebody did. Could you imagine, though, doing your civic duty and having to... Just 19 minutes of that. I don't know which parts they showed. Probably him consenting under drugs. That had to be one of the parts. But And the stabbing had to be one of the Probably parts. Probably stabbing yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. But still just the graphic nature of the visual of him being in the tub. I mean, that would be a lot more than most people I think could handle mentally. There's a couple of juries that like did not know what they were getting into and then sat in the jury and saw so much shit they were not prepared to see. Especially if they're like middle-aged people that weren't on the internet because the internet is the internet. And I uh, did find a couple of leaked but unconfirmed screenshots of the video on fandom.com of all places. Specifically the Lost Media Wiki, but it was still a weird place. And the Cannibal Cafe, the website that he made these ads on, is no longer active. Fucking good. It has been archived by the Wayback Machine. I would say look at your own risk. I did. I felt real bad afterwards. Yeah, I'm not going to do that at all. Yeah, hard pass. I've already looked at a lot of weird shit on the internet, so it's not not the worst thing I've ever seen. Which is the worst thing to say out loud, but like the internet's a gross place. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I really am fascinated by the body. And so I've seen a lot of weird body stuff. There were so many questions about impalement on the Cannibal Cafe that the mods were inspired to write three separate FAQs about it. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Seems like too many. Armin's screen name was Frankie, like his imaginary brother that he created early oh, on. That's so sad. Yeah, it's just sad and messed up, but sad. If you can read German and you go to the Wayback Machine, you can read some of his posts. I found if you just control F, Frankie, they'll come up. I can't read them, but they are there. German listeners that we definitely have on our first episode. You never know. <laughs> So this is getting a bit out of hand, kind of showing how much I get into research. So the only astrological tidbit that I was going to bring up here is this Venus, which is in Scorpio. And it makes him a very dead-on example of the very worst of an evolved Scorpio in Venus. Venus is the planet of relationships interactions between people and whatnot. And so Scorpios can be extremely obsessive, check. Intense, double check. (laughs) Possessive is like five checks because you want the actual body and have a deep desire for 
a body and soul connection. Ten checks? It's all there to like a pathological degree. As a Venus and Scorpio, we're not all cannibal. (laughs) Yay, Hannah. It's the small things. It's the small things. I think I'm going to find in this podcast that I have a lot of astrological similarities to um, the murderers. See episode two. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, that is the story that I wanted to bring. My favorite cannibal story, the Rottenburg cannibal, Armin Mivis. Well, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. That was... That was something. It was like a roller coaster where you feel like the pit of your stomach dropping out when you go upside down. Except you're just always upside down and it never really ends and it just keeps dropping lower and lower. (laughs) No, it's pretty much bad the whole time. I'm going to throw it over to Sarah. We're going to end up actually introducing ourselves at the end of this podcast and talk about our astrological placements so you can get an idea of who we are as people. Since we are into the astrology bullshit, we're going to go into some of a couple of our signs for this one. We're all beginners, like let's be real, this isn't a true science or anything. But just to kind of get everyone on the same playing level, um, here's some beginner astrology tidbits. So your sun, this is what people mean when they say, what's your sign? (laughs) This is what your true self and how you perceive the world around you and how you experience life. So that depends on what time of the actual year you're born. And so there's 12 of these different suns and they actually relate to what like month you're born in basically, what what day of the month. And then there's your moon. And so this sign indicates your inner self and your emotional nature. And this kind of placement actually affects the way that you process your feelings and how you might function intuitively. It reveals a bit about how you, like what you need to feel safe and secure in your life. It's also how you relate like your emotional core to the interactions around you too. And then another common one that people might talk about is your rising. And this is also known as your ascendant. And this really depends on what time of day you were born. So this varies wildly across the board depending on like like even if you're born on the the same you know sun sign as somebody else your rising can be very very different and this is so this is how you portray yourself to the world and like the way that people perceive you and how you might actually conduct yourself socially so to just kind of start things off i'm super excited to have this little fun fact that our podcast is actually a taurus <laughs> so Yay! yeah so in true Taurus fashion please definitely use this time to enjoy your me time whether it's like in the car on the way to work or luxuriating in your bathrobe surrounded by your favorite things or taking part of whatever your hobby is we're so happy that you've tuned in and we just want you to know that you found three ladies who definitely want you to enjoy your time and be as entertained as we are as we struggle through some of these dark and morbid stories of true crime but also learning about different astrology facts and different perspectives we try to keep things as lighthearted as possible so you don't end up feeling dark and sad at the end of everything. It's rough sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it gets kind of rough sometimes. But yeah, so from now, actually from April 20th through May 13th, Jupiter, one of the, the planetary um, aspects, has climbed to the top of Taurus's solar chart. So that means for our podcast, which is a Taurus, that our podcast's ambitions and career and business goals and reputation might be blossoming, developing, and growing. So how fitting. I think that's perfect for us right now. <laughs> that does remind me that I need to do a spell for the podcast. Ooh, yeah. So there's some of that witchy shit that we're getting witchy into. Witchy bullshit. <laughs> 
All right, so that's a little tidbit about the podcast. Next, I'm going to go into just my signs to do a little bit of an introduction to me, Sarah. Um, So my son is in Pisces and solar Pisceans. (laughs) We're known to be sensitive and intuitive. And also there's a lot of meme culture out there about how how hilariously sleepy we are. (laughs) It's yeah. I don't know if that one fits you because you sleep, you get up way before I get up. But I still like to sleep a lot. A Fair. lot, a lot. Yeah, it's gotten worse over quarantine times too. But anyway, <laughs> we also give the best pep talks. Um, and so that was like one of the things That's in, my, true. in my bio. Like I give the best drunken pep talks, although I'm drunk. So maybe my account of, you know, history isn't the best. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's one of the things too. Is like because we're sensitive and intuitive, we can kind of get people through their hard times, and we're often a shoulder to kind of cry on because we like to be there for people that way. I'm usually drunk when you give me the pep talk as well, so I think it works out fine. Yeah, drunken two party pep talks, great. <laughs> it works. But yeah, I'm I'm a dreamer. I've often got my head in the clouds. I don't like to follow set specific schedules. Unfortunately, that doesn't really help a lot me being a grad student and all but it also means that it makes it really easy for me to get caught up in ideas and not realize that I actually have to act on them but I've been working on that knowing that that's one of my pitfalls as my son is in Pisces you're like very artistic as well kind of flows in with your Pisces and your imagination and whatnot yeah a lot of Pisces sons are very imaginative very creative and very artistic and so like a lot of artists actually are Pisces as well and you did all of our artwork for our podcast thank you a little shout out thank you Pisces (laughs) something's working (laughs) it's not my circadian rhythm it's good for something But yeah, after all that, don't worry. My moon is in Taurus, so I've got like at least a little bit of earthiness to keep me grounded. Albeit this is probably the most luxuriating of the earthly signs. So Taurus moons are romantics, but they are earthy and strong-willed. And kind of like I said about our podcast, they do like to have a little bit more of the ambition and stuff, which is kind of uh, synonymous with the earthly signs. They like to have more of that go get them kind of attitude towards things. They also very much like to enjoy themselves oh yes and they keep that they keep time for that sacred that yeah that is absolutely sacred and so that's kind of like a strange conjunction for like having my pisces sun and my moon in taurus means that i'm a dreamer and then i definitely like to dream and imagine my goals and things like that but then also like things that i want to have and enjoy and i just kind of get stuck in that sometimes so that actually makes a lot of sense because also (laughs) earth signs are a little bit more materialistic as well so things you want like your one million plants that you own. And that might be your Taurus moon coming out. It's not a, it's not a million yet. <laughs> you did a count though. It was high. It was very high. I'm, I'm, I think I'm well in the triple digits now. It's, yeah. Anyways. And then there's, of course, my ascendant. So like I said before, your ascendant is essentially just how you portray yourself to the world. And my ascendant is in Scorpio, which is usually perceived as very intense, sometimes intimidating, sometimes secretive or closed off which once you get to know me, I am definitely super not any of those things. But uh, it kind of explains a lot of why, in the past at least, people have thought that I'm maybe not friendly or approachable at first. But yeah, I think through some bit of effort and like recognizing this about me after going into a bit of astrology over the last couple of years, I've, I feel like I've put more, forth maybe a little bit more effort when I'm meeting new people in trying to be more approachable. And I think I've kind of maybe improved on that. So 
yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so I guess that means I'm up next. Hi, I'm Meredith. I feel a little weird talking about myself, so I will just say that I am only here to establish my alibi. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. You're Gemini. You might need to. <laughs> I know, right? But a little bit about me, I am a mother and I am a wife. I work full time. And in the last year, I've also been acting as a paraeducator for my daughter. Thanks, COVID. (laughs) I am intrigued by all things true crime and I love to chat. And I am so thankful and grateful to have this opportunity to talk with you ladies each week. And I hope to engage with our listeners in conversation very soon as well. Oh, yeah. Definitely. This is so exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> I hope we have listeners. <laughs> right now we're shouting into the void. Ah, someone listen. So astrologically speaking, I am a Gemini sun, a Pisces moon, and a Leo rising. Geminis are represented by the twins and are well known to exhibit dual personalities. You may not know which part of a Gemini you are experiencing at any given time. (laughs) We're a little tricky like that. (laughs) Every every, uh, side has their little tricks to keep you a little bit at an arm's length if you need to. Exactly. I have found that during COVID quarantine time, having dual personalities has been quite beneficial for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wish I could have some of that. (laughs) Especially when I'm working and then also paraeducating my daughter in kindergarten because one minute I have to be working on a very detailed application and the next I have to turn around and sing when two vows go walking the first one does the talking (laughs) and then I gotta go right back into my very detailed application so having two personalities really does have its perks. Geminis are also very adaptable, outgoing, and intelligent. We are versatile and adjust well to new surroundings or circumstances. When shit hits the fan, we can totally roll with it. (laughs) That's the best. We're glad you're here for that. (laughs) And unfortunately, shit hits the fan frequently because we also like to overextend ourselves in a variety of ways. Like the podcast? Well, you know. (laughs) We can also be quite nosy and ask a lot of questions, which I think will be beneficial for the podcast as I do my research, but... Definitely. Yeah, that nosiness. P.I. energy. (laughs) I may one day be a P.I. We'll see. So Geminis are famous for their communication skills and self-expression. Podcast! Exactly. (laughs) Perfect. I literally cannot hide my emotions because they are written all over my face and often found in my wild and crazy hand gestures. Uh, did you say you were a Cancer Moon as well? No, I'm a Pisces Moon. You're Pisces. Moon. still a watery moon with a lot of emotions, so. I, oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of feelings over here. <laughs> Good. One of us has to have them. We also love to tell stories and to hear stories, which is perfect for podcasting. So I get to tell you a story, and I also get to hear your awesome stories. So I'm super excited about that. And like I said earlier, my moon is in Pisces, and lunar Pisces are both open-minded as well as reserved. So again, that's the twins coming into play. We do have a tendency to acquire a lot of knowledge on many subjects, but we never become an expert at something specific. So that's the 
jack of all trades, but the master of none. <laughs> Your astrology chart burns you sometimes, but uh, it does. you just got to take it. It's it's like I was talking to Sarah, though. It's saying maybe you do recognize that in yourself now that you've seen it out loud, seen it written down, and you can try to focus on one thing a little bit more or whatever. Like true crime. Ameliorate the problem. I am focusing on audio editing. Thank God. Someone needs to, yeah. (laughs) So lunar Pisces are also very smart and have innovative ways of solving practical problems. And we are also very curious and we love to learn new things. So that also comes into play with doing podcasting and learning, learning new stuff. We are sociable and loners all at the same time. So again, there's the twins. And in some cases, we can be very shy and often hesitate to make initial contact with people. But when you get to know us, oh boy, (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) If someone offends us, we might not say a thing. But trust that we will remember that shit forever. Oh yeah. Noted. We are very sensitive and very emotional. And if someone were to hurt us, we can become very sarcastic and incredibly direct in our communication to that person. And sometimes even insulting. So you might hear me say something like, why don't you go outside and play hide and go fuck yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, bring that sass. Oh, I love it. I did read, and this one just made me literally laugh out loud, but it says that lunar Pisceans make good parents, but can be prone to be overly complacent towards their children <laughs> and allow them to do whatever they please. <laughs> Noted. So finally, my ascendant is in Leo or my Leo is rising. And with your sun in Gemini and your Leo in rising, you are fully owned by communication. With the mix of Gemini's smart aleck nature and Leo's attention-getting nature, you end up with a real character. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So in short, I am a complete hot mess, but I am fun to take out drinking. That's all we ask for, to be honest. Yeah, hot mess is fine, especially when you're doing the audio edits. Yeah, <laughs> and you're doing very well, so you can, you're like a, a, a lukewarm mess. mess. Yeah, oh, perfect, jinx. <laughs> I like that. All right, so we'll wrap it up with me. I am Hannah. I do think our voices are distinctive enough that people will, will be able to tell us apart. I'm the one that sounds like a child. I am in a PhD program for microbiology by day, and I'm an internet deep diver by night. So I'm very excited to be able to do this podcast. My son is in Capricorn. Capricorn is basically the most boring, stodgiest sign of the Zodiac. So I do identify a lot with Capricorn traits. Maybe not the boring part, but one of the main words used to describe a Capricorn, though, is ambitious. And I will say I used to be very ambitious. I had plans, like Sarah said, I had it all planned out what I was going to do. I was going to get my PhD. I was going to get a postdoc. I was going to get a job at a teaching university, whatever. I have like no zero goals right now and I don't really care. So I've lost that ambitious part of the Capricorn. I grad school might have stomped it completely out of me. So, But also that's okay. I mean, even if grad school wasn't the thing to stomp it out, your plans can change and like that's part of life and it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm in a a plans are optional stage of my life as well. Yeah. You're in a transition (laughs) like from 
very hardcore set schedule structure into like, I don't know what I want anymore. And that's like, I don't know, it can be exciting. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) Well, no, it's definitely a growing experience because it's, I thought I knew what I wanted to do and I was working towards it for years and I do not want that, like even a little bit. I don't even know if I want to keep working science. And for a Capricorn, like, kind of having more of an uncertain future will be a, a nice, fun, growing challenge for me because I would like to know what was gonna, what's going to happen in my life if I could. I always uh, read the end of a book before I actually read the whole book, and I would do that with my life if I could, but they won't let me. So, not so much ambitious, but... Still, it's a very work-oriented sign. They can be thought of as like like too serious, too focused on work, and not willing to take time off for fun. I don't really identify with, I will work very hard, but I will party very hard, so. This is true. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> All those drunken pep talks when I'm... 2 a.m. Yeah. dance parties in my living room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, they're described as practical determined, precise, orderly, which are all things I would actually describe myself as. The ruling planet for Capricorn is Saturn, which is the planet of limitations, which includes the limitation of time, which helps make Capricorns very good at organizing and planning things. And I have a lot. I really organize my stuff. Last year, I had three separate planners for some reason, even though we were in a pandemic and nothing was happening. (laughs) I still had them and I still have them here. (laughs) That's awesome. They're not super interested in vague theory. They just want to put their knowledge to use. They very much identify with that. In science, I think there's two kinds of people. There's the ones with the big ideas, and there's the ones that do the work. And I don't have big ideas, but I can do the work and get to the end. I have the ideas. It, it sucks. Oh, yeah. That's the Pisces part of you. I have the ideas and not the hours to do them when. <laughs> yeah. That's the dreaming, unrealistic part of the Pisces. <sighs> surprising sense of humor though yeah you're hilarious (laughs) (laughs) side note is i i stole hannah from a different podcast to do this podcast because each week she made me laugh i still am on the other podcast plans are optional i will drop that for you guys but it is literally about nothing and we have no plans the basic concern for a capricorn is security which does make a lot of sense all i want to do is make sure i make enough money to live comfortably and start a retirement plan. Those are my only goals. They're not career goals. They're just like, I need this so I can feel okay. Those are basic life goals, though. I think everyone should strive for them. Yeah, and that fits your moon. Oh, yeah, for sure. They can be spiteful and does not forgive or forget anyone who belittles or slights them, which I can say 100% is true. And they can come across as aloof or indifferent or very hard to reach because they can be very self-contained. They're very self-sufficient. Capricorn Sun's not going to ask for very much help. I'll say that for surezies. And unlike like Gemini that has the two personalities as a mask, uh, for the Capricorn it's more of a, a mask of just, I don't have emotions, you can't touch me type of mask. Mm-hmm. But underneath there's a shit ton of emotions that we don't know what to do, that we really don't know how to deal with it unless we go to therapy like this bitch did. <laughs> Okay, but if you can have an, a co-drunken Pisces pep talker. <laughs> it helps a lot. <laughs> if you can penetrate a Capricorn shell, their affections and the, lo- the loyalty run deep and they cherish and protect those they love. So once you get in here, I got your fucking back. I'm better at like protecting you in an angry way, but I also like you. Yay. <laughs> okay. 
that was my sun. My moon is also Capricorn. So let me just be more earthy. So basically more of that is what we're seeing. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that very much. Just kind of emphasizes what I present to the outside is also a lot of what I'm thinking on the inside, I guess I could say. But also like the moon part, though, being what you need to feel safe and secure, like it tells you what you desire in life to be able to like feel okay as far as part of like your core, your emotional core and like your need for stability on that level makes sense for Capricorn. The need for stability is like my driving life force. So the fact that I am okay with not having a plan for my future is only because I'm taking seven pills a day. But (laughs) it's fine. I'm doing fine. fine. Normalize handfuls of pills. Yeah, go to therapy, take your medication. Brain is whack. So, you know, moon, sun, very, very earthy. My ascendant is in Virgo, another earth sign. I'm just like, the Virgo is like, if the Capricorn's a super serious one, and the Taurus is like the more very stubborn, but also very sure of themselves. I know what I want. (laughs) They know what they want. They take care of themselves. Virgo's somewhere in the middle. I say my Virgo ascendant is where I get my lighthearted personality. <laughs> That's probably not true at all. That's a sick joke if I ever heard one. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it's earthy, so I'm still getting a lot of very similar things to Capricorn. The analytical outlook is huge, and that's how I used to really approach my life, was super logically, super an- analytically. I'm just now starting to feel like maybe you could have an emotion, and that's okay. So, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which is the planet of communication, which th- leads to some positives for me, a logical mind, acute powers of observation, an intellectual outlook, and a flair for science and writing. I'm getting a microbiology PhD, so thank god. Lots of both. Yeah, so much of both. On the uh, other end of the spectrum, it could also encourage fussiness, check. A nervous temperament, check. Sarcasm, check. Oh, double check. (laughs) Yeah, three checks, (laughs) bold checks, fault finding, check, and worry, check. So, I see it. It's basically a Virgo ascendant you might have have anxiety, but it's fine. So that's us. We'd love to hear from you guys as listeners if you guys want to let us know what your sun, moon, rising, whatever is. We are going to transition just into a couple disclaimers now that we've gotten here that we just want to add. Keep in mind while you listen, not a single one of us is a professional astrologer. We just think it's really super interesting and we are learning as we go. And we're always open to if someone is better at astrology than we are, if they have comments or suggestions to reach out to us, we are super open to learning. The other thing is, even though we called this podcast True Crime Trine, Trine as the astrological aspect that is extremely favorable. Harmonious amongst three different signs that are typically in a good alignment. (laughs) And there's three of us here. Harmonious AF. Anyway, even though we are an astrology slash true crime podcast, we no guarantees that there will actually be very much astrology portion for some of our episodes. Uh, Based on the research that I've done so far, I think it'll be very unlikely to actually be able to find the birth time for most of these people, which means we will not be able to know their ascendant, which is kind of a bummer because I love knowing the ascendant and knowing like how they interact with the world, but I can't find a goddamn birth certificate to save my life, so. Gotta pay money for that, right? (laughs) We need a PI. I'm working on (laughs) it. Okay. I also love history, especially weird history, but the farther you go back in time, the less information that there is. So for some of the more historical cases, we might not even have a birth date or a birthplace. 
We're still going to do them because they're fun. We just won't have very much to say on the astrology side. I also really like weird history, as I said. And I have some ideas percolating about some episodes that are not necessarily focused on a specific individual so much as an event in time. Also kind of hard to do astrology on. We'll see what I can come up with. And none of us have any experience or association with law enforcement or the justice system. So if you love this podcast as much as we did, please rate us, leave a review, and definitely tell your friends. We would love to hear from you, so please reach out. You can connect with us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast, or you can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. As D.H. Lawrence has said, it's okay and fun to flirt with the Zodiac. Unless it's the Zodiac Killer. Boom. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.